What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Beekeeping for Newbies. Thank you so very much for taking the time to listen. I do appreciate you, even though I can't seem to get those words out of my mouth. Special thanks to our patrons, Adam, Candace, Susie, Michael, David, John. Without you guys, it would not be possible to bring everybody this exciting content. So thank you, thank you, thank you to you folks. I really appreciate it. All right, so today we have episode 51, Late Season Feeding. Now, this is a topic that's come up quite a bit lately via email in the Discord room. Uh, a lot of people were like, hey, should I feed? Should I not feed? What do I do? I'm confused. Uh, there's been a whole lot of interesting discussions lately. So I know that some people will just kind of grab the latest episode and start running with it, even though they have no idea anything about beekeeping. So I'll do a tiny little bit of recap. So I do apologize for those of you who've heard this four and a half million times. But we're going to just talk real briefly about feeding kind of what it is, a couple of things to consider with feeding, and then we're going to kind of go in and talk specific to some of the things we need to be thinking about with the late season feeding. So feeding the bees is something that is done primarily through a mixture of sugar syrup. Uh, sometimes it can be sugar syrup mixed in with a little bit of some pollen substitute or some other things to add additional nutrients. The reason that that becomes important is there are the, between 10 and 14 essential amino acids that honeybees need and uh, I guess it kind of depends on who you talk to, but, but 10 seems to be a very consistent number that I hear. So we're going to go with that for, for our purposes of today's discussion. But feeding sugar syrup by itself does not give those nutrients. Now, it doesn't mean that the colonies that you have, maybe they've got stored pollen already and they can combine, you know, get the nutrients they need from the combination of that pollen and the sugar syrup you're feeding them. But we always want to be cognizant and be thinking about the fact that sugar syrup by itself does not provide the nutritional value that the bees truly need to thrive. Will they stay alive? Yeah, probably. But again, we want them to be healthy, right? Can we live off of Snickers and Butterfingers? Yeah, we can We can probably live off that for a while, but is it the best way to go? Probably not. So a couple, couple quick talking points around feeding. I've talked before about how I don't like entrance feeders. I think they're a really bad idea. They encourage robbing. Not necessarily a big issue in the spring when there's a flow on. But in the fall, when things are really tapering down, winding down, and people still have some weaker colonies for whatever reason, it can really open up the door for robbing. So I definitely don't like them at this time of year. We've got open feeders. We've talked about that. This is uh, Check out the video on YouTube. It's just at Beekeeping for Newbies. It's N-E-W-B-E-E-S. I do have a five-gallon feeder video on there you can check out. 
There's a couple other videos on there that are kind of goofy. I've been doing a little bit of work with that lately, whole separate subject. But the five-gallon feeder is a great open feeding option. Just keep in mind that when you're using that, you're feeding every bee and every other pollinator flying object in the community. It's coming to your feeder and you're feeding it. The safest, most economical way to do it, in my opinion, is either going to be through a top feeder, a frame feeder, or a jar feeder. Uh, I like the jars. You can just add an extra medium or even a deep if you wanted to. You could take four or five jars, get them set up as feeders, put them inside of the hive on top with some shims underneath of them, and then put another medium or a deep on top of it, put your covers on, and that gives them plenty of space to get in and get access to those feeders. So however you choose to feed, find something that works for you and, and be thinking about that. Now, the tricky part about feeding, particularly at this time of year, is figuring out how much honey your bees are going to need to overwinter. So there's, a, you know, again, part of trying to figure out what these, these variables might be is, you know, how cold is your winter? How long does that cold last? How many times, if at all, during the winter are your bees able to exit, you know, go do cleansing flights, go ahead and find some forage? I have bees, typically, there's not a month in the year, December, January, February, Every month at one point or another, I see bees coming back with pollen. There have been many years where it's 74 degrees on Christmas or 75 or 80 on New Year's Day. For whatever reason, it just happens sometimes. And whenever it happens, bees are coming back and they're bringing back pollen. They're finding things in the environment. But these are things that definitely contribute to change and impact your bees' ability to overwinter. You know, your summer bees are going to live somewhere in that, you know, uh, four to six week kind of range, you know, 42 to 56 days, depending on what source you're, you're asking the question to. But your winter bees are going to live longer. They're not as active and they are biologically designed to be able to overwinter by minimizing that activity. So having periods of warmer weather that just pop up in the middle of the wintertime, it kind of re-energizes the bee, these bees. They go out, they're foraging, they're looking for things. And then that has an impact on their livelihood and how long they ultimately live. Now, that's a whole separate, you know, rabbit hole that we can go down a different time. But just, again, be thinking about all of the variables that are involved. And the good news to this is you don't have to necessarily figure that out on your own. There's a lot of research that can be done. I always you hear me say, you know, Mr. Broken Record here, but getting into a local bee club and talking to them and finding out, hey, how much should my colonies weigh going into the winter? But if you don't have a bee club, you don't have anybody you can ask, fret not, I'm here for you. Because I asked the ultimate resource on honeybees and honeybee overwintering, my good friend, ChatGPT. So with that, I'm going to give you a couple of states and just be thinking about, you know, kind of where you are with regard to kind of the latitude of these, these states or these locations. And that's going to give you a rough idea. Now, again, man, it's an AI app. Right. So take it with a grain of salt. But here's a couple of states that I looked up. Montana, it says between 60 and 90 pounds of honey to overwinter. Now, again, I searched several northern states. You know, I hit Montana, Michigan, Massachusetts, Vermont, all of them that were up there in that same kind of latitude. They all. <coughs> Chad GBT gave all of them that 60 to 90 pound range. I pulled up uh, Virginia. That came up with 40 to 60 pounds, which is actually pretty accurate. I target that 40 to 50 pound range. That's pretty good for me. Canada was showing 80 to 100 pounds. Now, if you go all the way to the south in the U.S., down on the, like the Gulf Coast, 
Louisiana was showing 20 to 30 pounds. Again, if you want to check out your state, just go to ChatGPT, do a search for, you know, hey, ChatGPT, how many pounds of honey do my honeybees need to overwinter in my state and see what answer it gives you. Again, take it with a grain of salt, but I thought that was kind of fun. Okay, so assuming that information is correct, how do you know how much honey is actually stored in the hive? The first thing you need to do is you need to establish a baseline of what your hardware weighs without the honeybees, the brood honey, or anything else in it. And then from there, you know, you can add in a few pounds here and there, depending on what you get. So if you have like a three-pound package of bees, then obviously you're going to add three to four pounds to that baseline. If you want to get really granular, you could weigh individual frames, but, you know, I don't know that that's really going to, that might be a little bit too, too much, maybe going a little too far, but if it makes you feel good, have at it. Now, during the season, uh, if you wanted, you can go ahead and, and say, okay, what is a frame of capped brood weigh? Maybe that might help you to establish a baseline. Yeah, but again, these aren't, you're not trying to get to a scientific number to the 100th or the 10th. You're just trying to get a ballpark. And again, that ballpark really is, is best done when you're first starting. If you can't do that, the next best thing, you know, again, my opinion, is during that first inspection at the end of the winter or early in the spring, I mean, that, that really should be a time when the colony is least stocked. It should have exhausted a whole lot of resources over the winter, and that's probably going to be a relatively decent time you know, to get that baseline measurement. If you have a helper, this is going to be a little bit easier using them, but here's what I've done in the past. I'll take a piece of plywood, and it needs to be slightly larger than whatever scale that you're using. Set that on the ground with the scale on top of it, and then from there, you're going to get the scale underneath of one side or the other of the hive. So if you have your hive on a hive stand, you may need to get a piece of two by four that's at least as long, maybe a little bit longer, just to give you some, some leeway, some spare room, spare space, but at least as long as the distance between the front and the rear leg. And then you'll slide the scale up underneath of that side, lift that entire side up, set it down onto the two by four that is now resting on the scale lift the opposite side up to where the entire hive is now level, take that measurement, and then repeat on the other side, add those together, and that gives you your measurement. Now, the way that I do it that I like a little bit better that I kind of prefer is to do that first part exactly as I described it, but instead of setting the one side down on blocks or just leveling it out, I actually lift the entire colony all the way up so that it's almost balanced to where it just takes a little bit of, you know, a little bit of holding on to to keep it from tilting one way or another. That's going to give you a truly good weight. A couple things to keep in mind with that. One, if you have a bunch of honey supers on there and it's really, really high, you know, stacked really high, that could get a little hairy. It's going to be really heavy. You may, you may be at a really awkward angle. So, be, you know, use caution if that's what you're trying to do or if that's what you decide you want to do. Another thing to keep in mind is that you know bees are typically very sensitive to vibration. So make sure that you're not slamming the hive back down and slamming it around when you're lifting it up and setting it back down. Again, that's a quick way to get them agitated. Another weight option that you can explore, and I haven't done this, I've seen a few things over the years, that, but I just haven't done it myself, would be like a hook style where you could actually have something that was that you fabricated or that you bought that you could roll up adjacent to the hive and then it might have a bar that goes across with a couple of straps, and then you just 
hook it to something up above and then you would be lifting it above. The only thing I can think of in my mind is like I have an excavator, like an excavator with the scale hanging down and a couple of straps, throw the straps around the hive, lift the scale and the hive up, take a measurement and then set the whole thing back down again. That's one way that you could do it. I just like to set them on one side, have it stabilized, lift it up, get it to balance, take the measurement and be done. Another thing to remember too is that if the hive is well propolized together, shouldn't be an issue. But if it's a new, some new hardware or you've scraped all the propolis off for whatever reason and there's not much there, as you tilt them up, some of the parts and pieces may slide around. If you think that's a possibility or that that might happen, maybe take a couple blocks of wood and just tap them onto the side like the day before and secure them in place to keep those pieces from separating. But there's a couple of different ways to do it. Be creative. You know, just try to come up with something that's going to work for you. Now, what I recommend here is to make notes. So you do that weight, and let's say your hive comes in at 60 pounds, and you know that your baseline of everything is, you know, 12 pounds, 18 pounds, whatever the number might be. You're going to say, okay, my baseline was this much. My measurement on October 1st was over here, and there were X amount of frames of honey, so many frames of some open brood, cat brew, whatever it might be. Document everything that's there, and then get to the end of the winter, the hive hopefully overwinters, and you then compare what they start the next season with. What did they end the winter with? And then when you go into year number two, you're going to go do an inspection, and you're going to look at it. You'll compare it to your notes, and you say, huh, my notes for last year look to be about the same as what I'm seeing in the colony here today. I bet it probably weighs pretty close. Take the weight again, and now what starts to happen is in your mind, you, you start to create this ability to kind of guesstimate pretty well. Once you've seen enough of your colonies over and over again, and you know what, it, what they typically weigh based on what you've seen in the past, you're going to be able to get really close. You're going to be able to look at them and say, yeah, this colony is somewhere between like 45 and 55 pounds or 60 and 80 pounds. And you'll know, again, just based on how many supers are full, how many frames are full, you'll get that, you'll get the hang of that over time. So with an established baseline, you can then kind of, you know, go from there and, and, and make a plan of how you're going to feed, how often you're going to feed and what you're going to do. But you really want to be getting this measurement, ideally, probably closer to like that eight week range before it's going to get too cold. And when I say before it gets too cold, I'm really talking about the, the temperature of the syrup. So when the temperature of the syrup is below 50 Fahrenheit, you know, roughly about 10 degrees Celsius, the bees are no longer going to be able to metabolize that sugar. They're not going to take up the sugar syrup and it'll just kind of get left behind. So whenever they get to the point where they stop taking it up, you need to get rid of it. Now, there are going to be times where it just it cools off for a day or two or maybe the night gets a little bit cooler, but the daytime is still warm. As long as they're still taking it up, let them. But once they get to the point where they're not, you can just go ahead and remove it. Now, I do want to talk about a little thing here that it's, it's important to know, and it, and it kind of goes back to why I recommend doing this at least eight weeks before you know your temperatures are getting cold. Think about a nectar flow. doesn't matter what time of year it is. A nectar flow comes in, let's say we're talking about the spring. Once the colony recognizes that there are resources coming in, they've got pollen, they've got nectar, they know that, that something in the environment is in bloom, they immediately say, okay, cool, this is time for us to rear more brood because we need to get more bees out there gathering whatever this source is so that we can store as much as possible. So that impetus to rear brood is going to kick in. 
Now, if you're eight weeks out, as, as I kind of mentioned a few, few minutes ago, then you're going to be about three to four weeks out from a lot of these bees being born. And hopefully you'll still have another four weeks or so for those bees to continue working and gathering and foraging and doing all the things that need to be done to help support and ramp up that colony. If you wait too long, you can almost put yourself in a situation that would have been worse than not feeding at all. And here's what I mean. You've got resources in the colony now. You simulate a flow by supplemental feeding. And then they start rearing more brood. Then it gets too cold and you cut them off. Now what you've done is you've used some of the resources they've had stored to rear this new brood in addition to what you've been feeding them. And you've got a whole bunch of new bees getting ready to be born who should be getting ready to go out and forage and bring back that nectar that you faked them into thinking was there. And all of a sudden it's too cold and now you've got a whole lot more mouths to feed and not a lot of food to do it with. If you're too late to the game, just stop. Maybe throw some pollen patties up top. If you're one of those who subscribes to putting granulated sugar and fondant and all these things in your hives, go down that path, pursue that get that set up, get that in place. But if you're too late, don't try to play catch up at the very end because you'll actually make things a little bit worse for yourself. Hey, everyone, thank you for listening. I hope that you're enjoying the show and are finding the information to be useful and valuable. In order to help keep the lights on, we do need to take a quick commercial break. Thank you so very much for hanging in there, and I appreciate you. We will be right back. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at All right, everyone, welcome back, and thank you for staying with us today. As always, feel free to reach out if you have any questions or comments. I always enjoy hearing about your experiences, answering questions, and learning more about the challenges you're facing in different parts of the world. So please keep them coming. It's Jeff at beekeepingfornewbies.com. Now let's get back to the show on the Beekeeping for Newbies radio network. Okay, that's not a real thing, but I'm trying to make it sound more official, so just play along, all right? Thanks a lot. So shifting off of the feeding, because I kind of, I hope that kind of covered a lot of the questions that have been coming up lately, but I wanted to shift over a little bit and just let you know that I am still actively working on the details of my spring plan. And I'm hoping to have that all wrapped up and into place where I can really give you guys all the details somewhere between now and Thanksgiving. But I I really want to make sure that everything is a hundred percent locked down before I, I one commit to it and say, yep, it's definitely happening. And two, before I start giving it like incremental details, then having to change and go back. And I'd rather just give you the right information once. So there's a lot lot of moving parts associated with that. But the high level is I'm basically going to do a video of me placing the orders online, you know, for the different packages that I'm going to get. From there, I'm going to go, you know, go to YouTube, do two videos immediately. The very first one is the, the, in fact, I'm doing this video here within the next couple of days, but this video is the, um, the essential tools that you have to have to start beekeeping. That's video number one that I'm going to have out within the next, I'm going to say seven days. Hopefully it's more like three days. The second video is me walking you through the Amazon store, 
showing you some of the deals that are on Amazon. And I say deals, I just mean things that are for sale, not necessarily a better deal, a worse deal, Amazon deal day. It's none of that. It's just, here are some things that are online. This actually looks decent. This doesn't look decent, but here are some of the things you need. And by no means do you need all of these things. And I'll explain all of that as I'm going through those videos. But that's going to happen very soon, no matter what. In addition to that, I, you know, I've got a lot of hive bodies and things I need to assemble. So I'm going to go ahead and do a couple of videos of that assembly process. It's nothing earth shattering. It's not super exciting, but I just want to show you what I do, how I do it. And once I get them assembled, I'm going to break out the Wagner power painter. I'll show you guys how I paint them. The reason I think that's kind of important, and I've mentioned this a while ago, but I want to bring it up again. When we first started putting hives together and beekeeping, you know, I had my girls involved and I remember where we would start assembling things and we would assemble stuff over the course of a couple of days. And then we would go out to paint and the painting was so painful. It was like, it, it's not that it physically hurt us to paint, but we would just be painting all day. A few years ago when I got that Wagner power painter, I was like, well, let me just see how this thing does. I put Phoebe on that thing and she, I don't know, she did something like 40 nukes in 20 minutes. Like that was like one full coat of nukes in 20 minutes. And then she went back again a few minutes later and finished it up and got the second coat done. Unless I'm forced into it from, for some strange reason, I will never go back to manually painting them again, unless I'm doing one or two here and there for whatever reason. I'm telling you those power painter things, it made all the difference in the world. So next on my list is going to be, you know, as part of the processes of getting everything ready, I'm going to just do an empty hive inspection walkthrough. And I know that it's not the same as doing a real inspection on a real colony, but I just want to show you how I approach. I, want, I, you know, I go up to the colony. This is how I approach. This is where I stand. You know, I've done some inspections before with new beekeepers, as an example, and they just stand right there in front of the, in front of the entrance. So, I, you know, my recommendation is to stand to one side or another. There are bees coming in and out. You're not usually supposed to be there. I want them to be able to find their way home easily. I don't want them bouncing off your backside. So I recommend standing to one side or another. But again, it's little tips like this that I want to go through just as a warm-up, getting ready for the season. And I'm going to put together, I know, a couple other little odds and ends types of videos that are all geared towards getting ready for the spring. Now, once the prep work is all done, I'm going to do a video of me going to the post office. I think what I'm going to have to do is like, strap one of those chest mounted GoPro things to me or something, and then do like a lavalier. I have actually a pretty cool portable lavalier thing that ties into my phone and I can clip it onto my shirt for the audio or whatever. But I'll do that of me going in. Hey, how you doing? I'm here to pick up some bees and kind of show you what that process looks like. Me bringing them home, me taking care of them overnight, what I do with them, you know, before I install them, where I put them. Next morning, we're getting them installed. So I'll walk through that whole process beginning to end. I will take notes, and then I'm going to post the notes in the Discord room so everybody can see all the notes that I, that I have for each colony. They can go back and watch the videos and say, okay, here's colony number one, colony number two. Here's the notes he wrote down about, about each of those colonies. And then each week there's going to be a minimum of one video for each colony for each weekly inspection, and then, of course, other videos as needed. So the more colonies I get, I think the more interesting things are that we can do. Like as an example, I intend to take one or, or more packages from day one, and I'm going to drop them in a two-frame nuke, right? We're just going to install a whole package right into a two-frame nuke, and we're not going to give them more space. We're going to force them to get crowded. We're going to force them to make queen cells, 
and we're going to yank those queen cells out to make new colonies in other two-frame nukes, and we're going to just see how many we can make off of a single colony. I am really, really excited about it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and I want this to be really, really interactive. So as you guys listen and you're, and you're thinking about things and you're coming up with ideas, share them with me. Say, hey, Jeff, I really, really want to see whatever this spring. I, or This would be kind of cool to me if you wouldn't mind walking through that. Like I said, things are really, they're changing a lot, and I'm going to be really, really heavily involved this spring, and so much, so much exciting, cool stuff going on. So I guess right now the big question is, am I going to have two colonies or 20 packages? I don't know. I have no idea how many I'm going to get. I'm going to have to figure that out here in the coming weeks. But either way, we're going to have some fun. We're going to capture it. We're going to document it. And uh, I, like I said, I enjoy the audio. I think the audio has a lot of good reach. And I think that people are able to, to listen in places where you can't really watch video, whether it's in the car or cutting the grass or in different areas where seeing something is just not really a viable option. But now being able to couple those things together, like I've, the videos I've been putting on YouTube lately are just really goofy. It's just me getting familiarization with some of the software that I'm using and things I'm playing around with. So if you go to the channel and you check them out and you're like, what is this guy doing? Just, just take it with a grain of salt, ignore it, you know, whatever. But we're going to get some pretty good stuff going up there really, really soon. Okay, I think that kind of does it for the meat and potatoes kind of of the episode here. A couple of admin things, though. As everyone might recall, I've been trying to find ways to get not only you know the podcast put out and supplemental video and things, but I've been trying to actually get video of the podcast. Primarily, I want to do it when I get other people in, when I'm doing interviews, when I'm doing discussions with other people. I just, that again, that that's kind of a neat thing that I'd like to do. I got some logistical things I'm trying to tie up. I've been spending a lot of time. I found a really big problem that I, I was, I've been messing with getting it resolved, and I finally did enough detective work today that I isolated the problem, figured it out, and now I have a path forward for that. So the video in the in-podcast video is going to get better. If you look on YouTube now, there's videos that are there, but it's just like a video of some bees flying in and out of a, ha- a colony while I'm talking, so it's not anything really super exciting there. But in the meantime, I've kind of decided that I'm going to phase out the bee buzz in favor for video. So what I'm going to start doing is when I get emails that come in that say, hey, I got some questions around whatever it might be. I'm going to put a few of those together and I'm just going to do a video. So if it's something that requires some hands-on, then I'll say, hey, I got an email or a message in the Discord or whatever it might be. Hey, let's let's go ahead and jump out here into the APA real quick and I'll walk you through this. Or maybe I'll do a whiteboard or maybe I'll do a video whiteboard kind of thing where I'm drawing something out. But one way or another, I'm going to make the B-Buzz more of an interactive thing versus a separate episode. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, existing B-Buzzes are going to stay in place and I'm not going to go back and delete them or anything. But for future reference, I'll probably just maybe answer a question online or answer a question at the beginning or whatever. At some point throughout our discussions, the questions are still going to get answered, but I really want to supplement that with video. I think it's going to make a huge difference. Again, as always, Jeff at beekeepingfornewbies.com. Let me know what you think. Thoughts, you know, all your thoughts and ideas are certainly welcomed. I've got a lot of personal updates, but I'm holding off on that for a variety of reasons right now. So I'll probably just hold back. I will tell you that I am actually officially going to start the more formal aspect of my bee journey. And what I mean by that is I've always just been a beekeeper guy who just goes out in his yard and does stuff with the bees. And it's been a lot of fun and I've enjoyed it. And you hear me comment sometimes, and I try to do it in a way that's not like offensive. Like I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but I've made comments like, oh, you know, like your academic folks or your PhD type folks. I'm making reference to people who spend a lot of time in academia studying the 
biological aspects of the bees and things. And those are all important things. It's all very important aspects of understanding the why as to why things happen, why bees behave the way they do. And I'm not trying to take anything away from that. I just didn't feel like I needed to prove myself to anybody. I just didn't feel like whether I'm an apprentice or a journeyman or a master beekeeper, like it doesn't matter. There's nobody who is out there going, well, I don't know. I mean, I wanted to listen to the podcast, but he's not a master beekeeper. So like it, it just hasn't happened. But I thought, why not just go be a master beekeeper? Why not? So I will be taking within the next three weeks, I'm going to take my apprentice test and then I'm going to do the journeyman. I'm going to do both those in the same day, get that knocked out. And then hopefully by the spring, I'll have the master beekeeper and then I can bully people who aren't, I guess. I guess that's what I can do. No, I'm I'm not going to bully anybody. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. Uh, let's see. I mean, outside of that, I mean, I hope everybody's ready for the fall. Um, you know, if you're ready to enjoy some of the fall activities and all of that, I mean, unless you're in the Southern hemisphere, then I, you know, happy summertime, enjoy the summer. But, uh, I guess I'm going to kind of wrap things up here. Like the last thing I would say is, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of prayer. I'm pretty actively engaged in that on a multiple time a day basis. If you are in that mode or do get into that mode sometimes, uh, I would ask you to be thinking about other people. There's some, some interesting times that we're living in here. I think it's definitely going to get worse before it gets better. And I'm not talking about just the U.S. I'm talking about all over the world. You know, I'm not going to try to inject gloom and doom and politics into the forum here. But I just, you know, I just want to say, you know, last few days, man, things have been getting a little hairy. And um, what I would say is one of my best old Army buddies used to say this quote. I loved it. It was Luke 22:36. He said to them, but now if you have a purse, take it and also a bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. That's all I'm going to say about that. My only point here is if you don't have your sword yet, you might want to look into that. All right, folks, take care. Be kind to one another. And I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So long. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.